And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, friends, I know that I talk often about how excited I am to speak with founders, and that holds true. 99.99999% of the time, I'm super psyched to talk to the founders that we have on the show because I love hearing founder stories. But today... We have a guest with us that I am super psyched to talk to, not only because he is a founder, not only because he is one of the recipients of the top startups to watch in Salt Lake City uh, honor, and you should definitely keep an eye out for that episode, but I am extremely excited to talk to David Blake, CEO of Book Club, because Books are one of my favorite things, and I just feel like we're going to have a really good conversation. We're going to have a lot to talk about. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Appreciate it. Um, glad to be on with a fellow fan of literature. Tell me what, uh, what are you reading right now, and I'll return the favor. Oh my gosh. So right now, um, I am, what am I reading? Oh, I'm reading Sapiens and the 1619 mm -hmm. Project. And so those are two kind of, they're nonfiction. They're a little heavy, heavier for sure. Um, and so I'm kind of taking my time with them. <laughs> I don't, but I don't know the, the latter 16, the 1619 project. project. Yeah. A, um, a female journalist of color, uh, wrote about some of the historic implications of systemic barriers to access and institutional racism. And, um, you know, has okay. just put together this, this really interesting narrative around race and history in our country. So, uh, Definitely, I'm kind of earlier on in that one because I want to. After I finish a chapter, I want to make sure that I have time to absorb it. Um, but it, it's it. been a I really interesting read. So Nicole far. Hannah Jones, you got it, you got it. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah. And, it, and I got it. It's it's a thick one too, so it's it's going to take me a hot minute to finish it. But I think that that's probably appropriate. How, how about you? What are you reading? So right now I am reading uh, the Culture Code. Uh, just finished Les Mis. And, um, oh, right now, wow. Really... Like, oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lame is, I know I, um, that, that is also a doozy, but as I've tried to get more reading, um, into my life, um, I've read up a little bit on this and reading more than one book at a time is, um, like overwhelmingly considered like good form. Um, yeah. Like your brain does better if it can bounce back and forth. You don't get stuck. Um, so anyways, here and you've got two, two going at once. Um, I'm an advocate. Honestly, I feel like 
I, I just love the opportunity and the idea that w- one of the reasons that I love books so much is because, you know, you could read every single day for the rest of your life, for the rest of, you know, a thousand lives, and you would never be able to encompass or capture all of the knowledge and all of the experiences and all of the stories that are out there. And books just make those those things so accessible. And, and, and I just, and I love it. And it's frustrating because you'll never know all the things and you'll never read all the things, but it's really, really beautiful to, to kind of die in the pursuit. And so, so yeah, I I read multiple books at a time. Sometimes I'll pop like some fluff in there when I need a break and from Mm -hmm. like the, the really like brainy stuff. Um, but I, I just, I love books and it, it, it begs the question for me, you know, tell us about, about book club. Tell us about you. Tell us, tell us about your journey and how you got started in all of this. Absolutely. Um, so I tell people to know me is that I'm an education reformer by choice and an entrepreneur by necessity. Um, I am absolutely not that kind of natural born lemonade stand as a kid um, entrepreneur. Um, sure. In many ways, I'm pretty antithetical to that. Um, and kind of the, the short version of it all was I was coming through high school, competing at the top of my class an excellent student, sat for the ACT in my case, and just kind of had my mind blown that that is the dumbest possible way to sort people in and out of their futures. And when I was 17 and sitting in this auditorium on a Saturday morning, I just was kind of floored. I was like, this can't be like for real. This isn't how we actually sort everyone in and out of college and which college and you know, this test is half of the equation for if and what college you'll get into, which is sort of half of the equation for what opportunities you're going to have early in your career. And it's just like, you know, this can't be, this can't be real. And so I'm old enough. It was pre Google. I had to go to the library. I wanted to find out where this test came from. And, um, you know, my rural suburban library did not have anything on high stakes testing, but I did find some books on like the history of education and started devouring them and had an epiphany that would then kind of set the course for my life, which was while I was at the top of my class and while I was a straight A student and while I was this really excellent student, I had this epiphany that these books were the first thing I'd ever studied that a teacher hadn't assigned to me. And I realized that while I was an excellent student, in truth, in reality, I was a very terrible learner. And you know, there was some dissonance in that, but like once I appreciated that really what being a good student meant was I was kind of this like product of a system. I began to see it as a system. I began to see what it, you know, optimized for, which is in large part as test taking and memorizing information and being good at taking tests, you know, and I didn't value that. Like I didn't value what the kind of, um, what the system had turned me into. And so I committed to myself that I was going to be a great learner even if it came at the expense of being a great student. And that kind of set the course of my life. I just kept learning about education, learning about learning. And that's informed the uh, kind of trajectory of my adult life. And can talk more about what I've done you know, since I was 17, but that's uh, what set me off in this direction. 
You know, I, I love that you, you went back to the genesis of your path and there were so many things that you were saying that just resonated with me. So, so not a lot of folks know this, but in, 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 at least for part of my career, I am not an educator, but I actually worked for an organization that promotes experiential learning in our educational systems. You know, the fact that exactly what you're talking about, like so many educational institutions, they are... Uh, they, they, the practices and the pedagogy was developed at a time when we were, you know, agrarian society or industrial society. Yeah. And so we mm-hmm. have teachers who have, you know, they have been kind of stymied into teaching to the test and producing people who can work in factories or on farms when in mm-hmm. fact, that's not our economy anymore. And so when you're, when you're looking to create generations of critical thinkers and entrepreneurs and people who ask questions and people who know how to think, our educational system doesn't necessarily serve that capacity. And so, so I, I love that that is the genesis of your journey. Um, very cool. And I, I, I feel like this could be like a whole nother episode. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's stick a pin in that for sure. Um, but yeah, I do want to talk about what you've done since you were 17. Let's, let's dig a little bit into that. What have you done since you were 17, David? Since I was 17. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) you know, fell in love once or twice, got dumped, went to school, you know, found the, the true love of my life. Um, there's, there's been a lot, the, uh, relevant resume, if you will. Uh, so it is all really education related. Um, I actually had a really hard time figuring out how to springboard into it, which I think is pretty normal. Um, I didn't want to be a teacher. Like it wasn't, I didn't want to be in the classroom. I wanted to, you know, fix the system. And I just, as a, you know, young kid didn't know how to kind of head off in that direction. So as a management consultant to start, and then my wife went to high school with a guy who was doing a startup and its motto was students are more than a test score. And so it was like exactly the note that had, kind of struck me and got me so passionate about education. And they were creating a platform that helps students to, in college admissions, represent themselves holistically. So rather than just um, test scores and GPA, to be able to have this like holistic representation in college admissions. So um, joined that, we grew that, we sold it um, to Chegg, which is now one of the larger publicly traded education companies. After that, I helped to launch a university. Its mission was cost disruption to be the most affordable accredited university in the U.S., after that oh, was wow. my first time as a founder, and I started a company called Degreed, which is now a um, unicorn SaaS startup. It created a category of software called the Learning Experience Platform, which helps people to track and get credit for all of their lifelong learning. So our mission was to jailbreak the college degree, and by that we mean you know um, to make it uh, so it doesn't matter how or where you learned your skills, just that you get credit for your skills and are able to transact on them in your career. Yeah. And that is now used by half of the world's largest companies. Um, I actually stepped down um, at that point as CEO to start a political nonprofit. So I spent two years doing political advocacy and political organizing, clipboard in hand across America. Um, and in 2019, came back from that um, you know, and, and this is the doorstep of book club. And so in my political advocacy work, I wasn't able to sustain the fundraising. Yeah. Um, I had started a political nonprofit called Americans for Common Ground, was um, out trying to make a difference against what I would say is this like moment that we're in this, you know, increase um, tribalism and extremism and misinformation and racism and 
um, you know, all of the, the things that have really kind of permeated this cultural moment and, you know, tried to make a difference on the political front. And when I couldn't sustain that effort, um, came back and it was kind of the first time in my adult life and career that I didn't know what was next for me. And that, what kind of led to book club, I mean, there was a couple of threads, but what I would say most simply is, you know, as you come over that, the underpinnings of this cultural moment, this nationalism, this extremism, this, this tribalism, this sexism, the, the racism, the misinformation, you know, what, uh, what do all of those things hold in common and really came to frame it as at some level, they all, um, have ignorance and a lack of empathy, uh, in common. And once I got to that word ignorance, you know, I really kind of, um, that was a word, you know, that, that lines up with education and, and started to see this as maybe education can make a difference in those, uh, in that problem. And, you know, so I wanted to start working on the kind of education that could challenge people's worldview and the kind of education that could help um, create some compassion and walk, you know, help you walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And how do you do that? Like, how do you do that kind of education? And that's eventually what got me to the power of great literature. And I just think there's very little um, more powerful than great literature that we as humans have really ever come up with. And the power of reading a great book can do those things so very well, challenge your worldview and help you see the world through someone else's lens and walk a mile proverbially in their shoes. And so then, you know, well, how do you do that at scale? And as an entrepreneur who had scaled um, businesses, you know, that was the brain soup that came together for book club. And book club is um, author-led virtual book clubs. Uh, you can think of it a bit if you're familiar with Masterclass and Goodreads. We see yeah. um, it is kind of a, a you know brainchild of of what Masterclass meets Goodreads might look like. And we started it in COVID 2020. So there there's a lot to unpack in in this piece of your journey and what you just said. I do want you to know, and I want our listeners at home to know that I definitely just texted Jessica, who's one of the producers of the Startup Hustle podcast, and I said, and I quote, "Holy shit, I love him." Uh, so, so just know that that happened because uh, as you were talking, there were so many pieces that I was like, "Wait, I want to talk about this." No, I want to talk about this. Wait, hold on, can we drill down on this? Uh, but I oh, think thanks. The, I'll talk fast. Truck- yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I really, there, there's so much here to, to delve deeply into. Uh, first of all, thank you for your work to create, because it, it seems like you have kind of a unifying thread throughout your career. You know, you've, you've had multiple startups, multiple initiatives that you've founded, but they all kind of come back to one thing. How do we create access for people who haven't historically had it? How do we share stories and create understanding between people? Would that be mm-hmm. accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is, um, those are some of my favorite things to talk about. But the thing that yeah. I want to talk about right now, and I, I feel confident that we're going to delve down into some pretty cool shit later, but the thing I want to talk about now is starting book club in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. You, you mentioned, you know, we're, we're kind of at a, a point of sea change. 
socially speaking, sociologically speaking in this country and, and worldwide. You know, we have a pandemic. We mm-hmm. are finally kind of paying attention to talking about and trying to address some very deep systemic issues as they relate to isms, racism, uh, you know, sexism, uh, I, I don't know, all of the isms mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. are just gross, um, you know, but we've had some social unrest. We have all of these things going on and you decided that that was the time to start a startup. What has that experience been like? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't want to complicate what is a little bit of time that we have together, but I'm actually the founder and CEO of two startups. So I started two startups in 2020. So oh, one Lord. is... Um, <laughs> called Learn In and the other is is Book Club, which we're here to discuss. But, um, you know, in truth, they both kind of just snuck up on me. I think I got time back in 2020. Like I, I used to travel every week. I traveled, I would take three trips every two weeks. So it was kind of one and a half a week, you know, and then had a commute. And when I got all that time back in, um, you know, 2020, uh, you know, I was hungry still to be pushing against these um, these issues. Um, I really did feel in many ways coming off of kind of my, my political advocacy that I had failed in it failed to make the impact and difference I, I had wanted, you know, and was just, just hungry to, you know, like keep pushing on it. We don't, you know, in 2020 only made so much of that feel more poignant. Um, you know, and, Book Club was a little bit of the, so Book Club was the second startup. So Learn In was more intentional of I'm going to start this business, but I had had this idea around Book Club. And when COVID hit, that was kind of this moment of like, sort of, ah, shit, I can't, I like, I just can't put this off. This is an idea whose moment has come. The concept of virtual book clubs, you know, in a pandemic when we're sheltering in place and quarantining. Um, like that just felt like a idea whose moment had come and I didn't want to, to kind of miss the window. So that's how I ended up doing two startups at once, um, you know, in 2020. Amazing. Well, one of the things I think that intrigues me most, and I'm going to go back to book club here because that is the top startup, uh, that, that we're talking about. But one of the things that I, I love about book clubs, and this is not book club the the startup. This is book club as a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, I, I feel that books, much like much like so many cultural touchstones, music, food, you know, things that we as human beings, as part of the human experience, that we we tend to all enjoy, um, they have the opportunity to create community. And in in book clubs are simply an extension of that. And so at a time when we can't necessarily create hu- you know that community, those human touch points and access points in person, you know, doing so virtually, I feel mm-hmm. like you, you kind of hit upon a really fantastic opportunity to continue that work, to highlight that opportunity while leveraging some technology to make it happen. Um, how yeah. do you feel about, I mean, is that, is that kind of your, your thinking in, in book club, the, the reason behind it? Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Like when you were, when you were thinking about starting book club, what was the opportunity you saw? Yeah. So, um, two quick thoughts. I mean, one is when COVID hit for the first time ever, my family, like my parents and my siblings, I'm second of five kids. Um, my youngest, uh, sibling, she started a family book club, uh, and, you know, 
the power of it was when you actually pick up a great book, it poses questions that you just might not otherwise be asking yourself and each other. And it led to some of the most um, kind of earnest, authentic, deep conversations that I've had, you know, with my adult um, siblings, you know, kind of ever. Um, we get together, we have a lot of fun. Um, we like traveling together. We, um, you know, I mean, we have a lot of fun together, but like it, it really did catalyze just a different level of conversation and on topics that we might just not otherwise naturally have gotten to. And I think there's a real just simple power in that. And I think, you know, the power of putting it online is, you know, I actually think book clubs are a world where there's an enormous amount of non-consumption. And what I mean by that is if you ask how many people would be interested in a book club, you know, you get a huge overwhelming response. And if you ask how many people are actually in a book club, um, it's much smaller. And I think that's because in past, you know, book clubs were this geographically organized thing. So it was typically, you know, like some friends in a neighborhood or a friend group, but it tended to be in people's living rooms. And so it was this like bounded by geography and the power of the internet and what it's done for, you know, now decades is literally giving you the chance to go find kind of your people, you know, your niche. And so, you know, I have great friends, but they might not like reading, you know, sci-fi. Um, right. I've got great neighbors, but they might not be interested in, you know, hitting hard political topics. Um, but the power of the internet means, you know, there's always kind of a, a community out there who is ready to go talk, you know, kind of about the, the, the hard topics about our democracy, democracy right now, or there's, you know, people out there that are interested in having that mental health book club. Um, and so the power of putting it online is that you can then go find that conversation. You can find other people interested and sort of earnestly having the discussion um and books have a power to bring us together in community the power to make what i believe is like really authentic relationships very quickly out of you know kind of two people two strangers when you're brought together by a great story a great narrative with hard questions you know with interesting sort of catalyzing themes and you know one conversation on the back of a great book and you know your friends for life yeah, I, I love that. And, and I, I, I just feel that creating more connections in this world, um, you know, through, through whatever mechanisms and means that you can do so, you know, creating more, more opportunities for that can only be to our benefit. Now, folks, I do have to, to pop in here really quick and talk about another thing that could benefit you probably as entrepreneurs, but today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Uh, and, you know, we love, we love Fullscale around the Startup Hustle offices. You know, they are our producers. They are our rock stars. We have a whole team of amazing people who make Startup Hustle happen. And Fullscale is such an integral part of that. So, so thank you to Fullscale. Definitely check them out if you're looking to bring a tech product to fruition because they're going to help you do it. They're going to take things off your plate. They're going to make it efficient. They're going to make it easy. And they're going to make it affordable and accessible, which you cannot always say about some, some tech development firms. Uh, real quick, just a, just a quick reminder, we are here with David Blake, CEO and founder of Book Club. And up until now, we have been talking about, you know, the, the power of, of books and connection and the power of access. Like we've, we've talked about a lot of really cool shit. Uh, but what I want to talk about now is I want to talk about the tactics. So, so Book Club, how, do, how does it work? Can you, can you take us through kind of the user experience? Um, tell us a little bit about yeah. that. 
Yeah, so again, we'll frame it with, um, think Goodreads meets Masterclass. And so there's uh, two real components to it. So the first is the platform, the ability for you to come on and to uh, create a book group or to join a book group. Um, you can do so around really sort of any genre or um, topic. And we have been launching um, book clubs that are available for anyone to join that are typically hosted by an expert, a thought leader, a celebrity, an author. Um, so examples of those, we've got Barbara Corcoran um, of Shark Tank, uh, who launched an entrepreneurship um, book club. We've got um, uh, Franklin Covey, who launched a leadership book club. We've got the Washington Post journalist, Nicole Ellis, who um, launched a book club around kind of current events and critical conversations. We've got um, more book clubs being launched uh, every couple of kind of every about month and a half at the moment, those kind of big sponsored um, book clubs, but anyone can come on and create a club around any genre, any topic, or any organization. And um, then for each book, what we're doing is slowly building up. Uh, there's the ability for the community to post um, reviews and comments and quotes and insights and questions around each book. And then we as an organization are out there um, working with authors to increasingly bring authors onto the platform to create kind of behind the scenes content. And this is where you start to meet the masterclass kind of side of the vision. So sure. we go out and we do um, kind of full production video with authors, um, asking them about the book, going deep on the book, giving um, people the chance to ask questions of them that you wouldn't really um, get to hear unless you, you know, if you live in New York or LA, you can pop into bookstores when authors are doing their book tours. But um, myself, having grown up in middle America, you know, I never, ever kind of had that opportunity. Um, and so it kind of democratizes that access to the author for the rest of us. And so we work with authors and we develop content, kind of this behind the scenes, um, go deeper content with the authors themselves. And that library is growing, you know, every week, every month um, on the platform. That is absolutely incredible. Um, so, so we have a couple of institutions here around the Kansas City area where they they prioritize speaking with authors. And so I've I've, had, I've been mm. very very fortunate to see folks like Stephen King and the the authors um, of, of Freakonomics and you know uh, I, I, mm -hmm. Wozniak at one point like just mm. you know and, and being able to hear an author's perspective on a piece of art that they have created. And and I don't think anybody would imagine that that writing a a book is an easy thing to do. If it was, everybody would do it. Um, you know, being able to hear that perspective and the insight beyond the page, um, I can imagine it's really crucial to understanding and appreciating the content that's put forth, no matter the genre. I mean, it could be sci-fi. It could be there. There are always those kind of under underpinning themes and you know how can we delve deeper into understanding yeah. the concepts presented um so that that is super cool um i have to i'm gonna fangirl here for a minute and i have to ask do you have any like fun uh experiences or maybe even just a memorable experience that didn't turn out like you expected or anything like that that you had with some authors that you you've worked with yeah let me um give you both like kind of a poignant, powerful moment, and then more of just like a fun one. But so um, with one of the books that we've got on the platform, um, read the book, and it was all about this um, story of an immigrant family moving to the suburbs of Texas. And the theme of the book uh, was this 
there's this like repeating theme of sleepwalking. One of the main characters sleepwalks through the whole book. And when I got the chance, you know, to ask the author, like, what was that about? It kind of changed the whole perspective of the book for me. And this is just the power of like what really can be released by getting to connect with the author directly and go behind the scenes and go go deeper on these themes. But it was, you know, said, look, the um, the feeling I wanted to elicit for the readers was that of low-level threat. You know, he said most immigrants don't have, you know, um, extremely dramatic stories of how they faced um, racism or, um, you know, other sort of bigotry or hatred. But, you know, every immigrant has these stories of kind of the persistent low-level threat. And sleepwalking was like a way of embodying that. Like most of the time, sleepwalking is benign. It's, you know, it's not that dangerous, but it can be, you know, and yeah. and it was just like this terribly insightful, you know, overlay to, to come on top of the book. And, you know, and so those type of insights, I just think, you know, really do have the, the chance to bring things alive in a different way um, to help you enjoy kind of your read and just a much more poignant, powerful way. Um, fun. Uh, so. Uh, it's not released yet, so I, I won't say who, but we've got um, one of my favorite comedians uh, who is launching a book club on book club and was able to go behind the scenes when they were touring uh, in Salt Lake City, um, where I live, and um, because we've been working with them on their book club. And so got to go behind this behind uh, backstage with one of my favorite comedians, uh, which was just, you know, a rad experience. And that's been the joy of this business. I feel like I could do this business till the day I die, getting to talk to authors about their works, getting to work with the hosts who are um, just such fun and insightful people. Uh, you know, that's a whole new world for me as an entrepreneur, as, as just a, as a person. And it's unlocked just such fun moments. Yeah. I, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm a little jealous over here, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I cannot imagine someone better positioned for, for that piece of the journey. Now, yeah, let's get a started puzzle book club going. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, I, I see now I'm going to have to talk to Matt and just be like, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> there uh, is, there is more <laughs> than enough books for us, more than enough authors for us to there go get a book so club going. Out there. I, like, like I said, it's like one of the most beautiful frustrations of my life. Like no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be able to read all the books ever, ever, mm -hmm. uh, even though I want to. It's so frustrating. Uh, now, let me ask you this. You have created a you've created a platform that, you know, as you as you stated, you know, it kind of has two goals. Like, number one, let's encourage people to read and let's let's encourage people to connect over that reading. But then let's mm -hmm. encourage people to also delve more deeply, think about their reading material uh, through the eyes of the author, through the eyes of other readers. You've created you've created an experience around mm -hmm. reading beyond the tactile, open the book, read the words, turn the page. Um, and that's, that's truly impressive. But one of the things that I really, really want to ask you is as someone with kind of like the bird's eye view of some of these experiences and being in it all day, every day, how have you seen the reader's experience change as they engage with book club and as they engage with authors they love and books that they love? Sure. Let me answer that in a bit of a forward statement, like where 
how I hope we yet change it. Um, we've right. done really cool things already, but here's what I think is the most interesting kind of opportunity, which is, you know, Goodreads does exist. There, there actually is an entire social network already for readers to connect around books, you know? So like, why did the world need anything, you know, new? Um, and there's other book apps and kind of, you know, track your reading and there's, um, there's just a lot out there, really great products. But what I'd say has been missing, which I'm really excited by is book clubs right now, essentially you kind of disperse, you pick your book, you disperse, you read it, you know, or you don't sometimes, but then you come together for this conversation. And so right now it's really only social at the very end of the experience. That's when kind of this conversation is happening. That's when like the social, the reconnection, the convening, the friendship, the chatter, the, you know, but why not have a social reading experience through the whole book? And the biggest barrier to that has been for everything the internet has invented, there's actually nowhere for me to go see a place where who's reading what and how far they are into their reading. And the thing you have to fix is spoilers. So that's what no one who's reading a good book wants is to come into some forum or into some chat or into some social platform and have the rest of the book spoiled. And so what we're going to do at book club is really start to break down all of the content and the conversations um, and be able to pin it by where you are in the book so that yeah. you can connect with other people who are at the same place in the book. So that way, you know, I mean, just think of, I don't know if you uh, are a game of Thrones uh, reader or watcher, but you know, when you get to the red wedding, uh, you know, like a lot of people want to connect then, not, you know, yeah. when they're done with the book, they want to connect then, right? Because there's such but... a, vis a visceral reaction to what mm -hmm. has happened, like at least in the case of the Red Wedding and as a, a GOT, you know, fan, uh, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about, but there's like this very like knee jerk, like, oh, I can't believe that just happened. Who can I talk about it with? Uh, exactly. You're exactly yep. right. <laughs> so that that's is what I hope. We are gonna we are gonna work against the problem until like as you're reading, you can be looking at content, videos, audios. You can be connecting with people, having conversations, and it's all kind of protected by you know everyone's at the same place you are. That I I cannot tell you how how powerful. Like I'm 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 just so you know I'm gonna like sign off here and sign up for book club like immediately because <laughs> there are so many things that I'm I'm hoping to accomplish at it. So. There is this, have you ever heard of um, Haruki Murakami? He's a, he's a Japanese Not, writer. It's ringing a bell. He, they're typically translated. So, so he, he's what I would call, uh, he writes fiction and his fiction work is, is very avant-garde. Um, and generally, you know, I, I was actually an English lit major in, mm -hmm. in college. So I'm, I'm generally pretty good at like breaking down thematic elements and figuring out like tone and things and things like that. But uh, with Murakami, he has this book and it's called Kafka on the Shore. And I read this book, you know, at least once every year. It's just beautiful language beautifully presented but it's a really weird fucking book and i can't like to this day upon multiple readings like i i tell people i'm like please read this book and tell me what you think it means because there are so many odd kind of disjointed pieces of the narrative that i just i simply don't understand and i've tried to you know read different theses about it and like i just i want to figure mm -hmm. out this book and so i swear i'm going to come on to book club and i'm 
I'm going to start a Kafka on the Shore thread. thread. Kafka on the yeah, Shore. Yeah, because I just, like, I, I, I've gotten, I think, like, two or three people to read it. And, like, I'm always, I always start the conversation, like, I love this book. I have no idea what it means. I need you to tell me what you think it means. And then I'll see if I agree. And that, yeah. of course, is not an extremely productive conversation, uh, generally. But um, yeah, like just having the opportunity to kind of break down a book piece by piece, particularly when it's heavier or more, um, I guess, provocative or yeah. even more yeah. more confusing or, or opaque uh, in, in its presentation, like having the opportunity to create touch points around that and talk about like when I have the question. Let's talk about it then. I, I love that. Um, We've been out the we... journey long enough. I'll, I'll just say very quickly, one of the things that sparked is, you know, we originally set out with this thesis that let's just, you know, go get the author behind every book. And, you know, there's there's so many authors and so many books, we'll, we'll spend our, our lifetime doing so. But um, We've been at this now for coming up on two years, which is long enough to appreciate. We're also finding people are hungry for kind of at times very critical conversation around the book where like um, they don't want the author in the content in the room, you know, because they they don't like the book or they don't like, you know, and yeah. some, it's just been an interesting dynamic of, you know, if you kind of put the author in the room, it, it tends to stay polite, if you will. Right. Um, and we're, we're seeing people are also hungry for at times kind of this extra author conversation as well. Yeah. Well, and, and I love that too, because I, I, I think we all know that it is much easier to be, um, critical, um, sometimes rudely. So when you're not presented mm -hmm. with that person, the individual you're being rude about, um, face to face, um, and, and honestly, like having an opinion, th that's not being rude. Let me, let me rephrase, like yep, having yep. an opinion and not liking a book that has nothing to do with courtesy or politeness or what have you. So I can definitely see that. Um, uh, so, so good on you for, for realizing that sometimes not liking a book is part of the experience. Uh, yep. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's absolutely beautiful too. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of winding down here and I, I have to ask you, you know, what are you seeing? as the future for, for David Blake. And I'm going to open up this piece of the conversation and I'm going to say, you know, we've talked a little bit about how the direction that you'd like book club to go, but tactically, what do you see happening? Um, what do you see with some of your other startups? What is the future of David Blake and his family of companies? You serial entrepreneur. Um, I'll bring it back to where I started. Uh, education reformer by choice, entrepreneur by necessity. I also run a, a micro school, which has been a grand experiment and a lot of fun. Um, two of my three kids are in that micro school. It's an apprenticeship based um, uh, micro school called Book Club Academy. All the kids apprentice for book club. So we'll have to talk about that one day. Um, I'm working on my second book, um, which is a political um, tome. And uh, my first one was about skills and education, but um, kind of taking some of the learnings from my two years in political advocacy and trying to get that um, into a book. And um, so always staying busy and more to come. Well, I, I, I wish you so much luck in all of your endeavors because they all just sound so worthwhile and awesome to me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I thank you so much for sharing. Now I Start have a puzzle a book club. Heck Coming yes. Well, and also I want, I want to do an innovator book club as well. Like how can we talk about badass women, you know, autobiographies and feminist theory and like, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, so, so I'm, you know, I, 
I tend to be like an oversubscriber and like an over cheer. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to like start 10 book clubs. So watch out for Love that. It. Uh, but I, I do have a question and it usually I don't do this, but this is actually going to be related to the conversation that we're having at hand just because I love talking about books. Uh, but if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only take one book with you, you can't have your Kindle, you don't have Wi-Fi access, you have to take a physical book, what would it be? Mm. I've been asked many times the books that have changed my life. Um and I'm recency bias here, but Les Mis is such a beautiful story that I've always felt just very anchored in. And having now read it, uh, it could keep you engaged for a very long time, which would be important if it's the only book you have on your island. So um, with a little recency bias, I'd, I'd go with my okay. Les Mis. And, and sometimes the one that just hops into your mind is the one that, uh, you know, that yeah. that's the one. And, and I have to tell you, like, that is a... The story, for those of you who have not read Les Mis, like the story of Jean Valjean is a complicated and dark and dirty and at times beautiful one. Um, so so highly recommend. Uh, definitely, I, I can see that. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty thick book. So it would keep mm -hmm. you occupied for, for quite some time. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, David, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and, and chat and, and really getting me pumped up and excited. Now I'm like, I, I just kind of want to, you know, fuck off the rest of the day and read and then join book club. That's and always a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Carpe diem. But thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, this has been a, a really fun conversation for me. Likewise. Really enjoyed it. Well, good. Uh, and I'll tell you what, friends, I would be remiss if I did not remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And would also point you, uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but we have a pretty deep uh, social media presence. And one of my favorite parts is Startup Hustle Chat. You can find that on Facebook. You can and, and join the conversation. Talk to hosts like myself, Andrew Morgans, the Matt Squared, as I like to call them. Uh, but definitely check that out. We do continue the conversation there. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, you know, pretty much anywhere you get your social media consumables. And we would love to have you join the conversation and join the hustle. Thanks so much for listening, friends. We really appreciate that you join us week after week. And we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.